Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Trailblazers podcast series, Judges on Fire. And I'm here today with Rara Tamani, who has been one of our judges from right at the beginning. And he is the chief scientist at McAfee and also a McAfee fellow. But in addition to that, he is also the chief innovation officer for one of our partners, the Cloud Security Alliance. Hello, Raj. It's great you can join us today. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. Cool. So obviously on the Tech Trailblazers, we talk about a, a lot of the elements around the awards and from your perspective, Raj, you know, what you are looking for within it. But it'd be useful for the listeners who maybe haven't come across you, either in your McAfee role or uh, with the Cloud Security Alliance to find out a little bit more about what your present role is and what you're involved with, um, and also, you know, your journey to get there. So I, I actually get to have fun in my job. Oh. So we run the threat research teams within McAfee, uh, as well as the threat intelligence capabilities and the red teaming uh, and the vulnerability research and the vulnerability disclosure program. So basically like I run a team where we get to investigate some of the most fascinating cases on the planet. We get to engage with law enforcement. I, I work um, as an advisor to the European Cyber Crime Center, part of Europol. So we get to engage with law enforcement. We get to take down bad guys. We get to break stuff and we get paid for it. Um, so it, it is, it is pretty much like the best job I can think of where I get to do the stuff that I kind of did for free. At, at, at McAfee and you know we and, and really the purpose of this is so we understand how the adversary is adapting how the adversary is working so that we can make sure that we integrate that into the protection for our customers and so really all of this kind of into the intelligence that goes into the products that we provide to to, to customers from you know consumers to government agencies and everything else in between that's good fun yeah, and I mean, obviously, how did you sort of come to have that kind of role? Because obviously, you've been with McAfee for a while, hence being a McAfee fellow. How did you get into the business of cybersecurity? Well, so Sachi, uh, um, a funny story. Uh, it, it was like I think it was like the mid nineties, and I'm going to sound like super old to everybody, but like it was the mid nineties, and I remember like I just I, I did like a generic masters um, in IT because like at the time there wasn't really any cyber security related you know special degrees or anything like that so mm. and and um I, I like i i actually i, I read uh cliff stole uh the cuckoo's egg in which he did an investigation and it was like it was fascinating to me and i was like well look this is something i really want to do but there wasn't you know a a you know cyber security role out there because the, actually the term of cyber security hadn't even been Developed. And so, um, yeah, I, I did my final year thesis on building what we call a bastion host. And I, I like, you know, there are people there going, what the hell is he talking about? But actually, for those of you that have been around for a while, you know the term bastion host. And then um, I, I kind of had this choice, which was like, well, look, I, you know, I, I can go into networking and it pays more money. But actually, I said, look, you know, I really want to try and get into or at least do a job that has security in it. And so, mm. I started to work in a help desk and, you know, I, one of my first jobs was to manage the AV endpoints. And then okay. I then started to do investigations. I remember at the time, like we'd just rolled out ISDN and we had 
like various different employees using their home ICM lines to download porn. And so it was like, well, you know, Raj, can you investigate why why the ISDN bills are so high? And like, and, and I think really it just kind of began there, which was, I this is something I wanted to do, and like I, I actually showed aptitude for. And then and then you know I moved as I kind of started to develop my role. I kind of I, I started to play around with SMTP rel- relays, and then we started to do some some vulnerability research. And so so really, it wasn't it wasn't. I, I think it was a conscious decision to get into security when there wasn't really a role for security. And then all of a sudden around me, an industry kind of popped up and it was like, wow, okay, I can actually do this full time in my career rather than doing security and the help desk or managing service and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, so you focus on that. Fantastic. And and the stuff that you're doing as the chief innovation officer for the Cloud Security Alliance, I mean, that must be very interesting as well. Well, actually, I co-authored the book, uh, the CSR Guide to Cloud Computing, which actually, funny enough, I was just looking on Amazon the other day, and uh, and uh, it was 2014 when it was myself, uh, Brian Honan, and Jim Rebus published the book. So, hmm. yeah, I've been involved with the CSA for a long time, and um, like the, the cloud is now ubiquitous. But I remember when you know we, we first started to get engaged with the CSA, and it was really kind of like a nascent idea and concept and now of course everybody uses the cloud without even knowing that they use the cloud so yeah it's it's incredible it's really incredible how that's kind of really now become part of the norm i guess well dan so from your perspective you know you're you're focused on innovation you're you're dealing with you know the the newest threats things that people haven't even thought of dealing with are you seeing an uptick in all of that stuff? There's lots of talk at the moment, obviously, with COVID and the, the, the changes in the way that people are working, more home-based sort of dining table warriors um, and less stuff in offices. Is, are you seeing an impact in what kind of threats and issues you're having to deal with and your teams are having to deal with? I, I mean, certainly... The number of uh, attacks that we're seeing are increasing. I mean, mm. I'm, I mean, like you know, you only have to look at the kind of like the number of ransomware cases, the number of ransomware attacks, mm. but also perhaps all concerning is the level of innovation that you've seen from the adversary. And so, like for example, mm. you know, we published we published research uh, on a campaign that we suspected to be the Lazarus Group, and they were using you know doc, uh, template injection attacks. We look at you know ransomware groups now um, publishing data from victims in order to be able to charge ten million dollar plus uh, ransoms, and so it's becoming. I know, I, I, like I, I'm always conscious that I, I sound like a miserable sod whenever I talk. So, but like the reality is, is that it, you know there are a lot more capable actors out there, and they are innovating and they are getting paid. I mean. You know, when we published research on Netwalker, which is a ransomware crew, um, you know, from March until kind of like about now, they'd made at least 25 million bucks. And I mean, like that was done with fairly min, uh, fairly minimal, but you're know, really developing a back end for them. That's fundamentally what they did in order to be able to become that successful, financially successful. So yeah, it's it's definitely getting more challenging, I guess, out there. Well. 
And how do you see the role of the startup? Because, I mean, obviously you've been involved with what we're doing and I'm sure also in your day, day job, day, evening, night job, um, you're also coming across a lot of um, startups. And I mean, cybersecurity is probably the biggest part of enterprise tech startup scene. I mean, I know that some statistics are talking of upwards of 15,000 cybersecurity startups, which is just mind-boggling. Where do you think that they're going to be playing a role in this, the, the fight against these types of adversaries? I mean, look, it's, look, it's a great question. And, you know, like I, I see a lot of tremendous innovations, a lot of tremendous startups. And, you know, often, and actually sometimes when I judge various different um, startups, you know, it's not just, I, I think, look, here's the key point that I would really want to say to companies out there, which is, it's not just the technology that's important. And I know that's kind kind of sounds completely like the opposite of what everybody's saying, but yeah, how you're going to be able to get that technology out to market. So, you know, like a founder has to be, has to be everything, has to be the technical visionary, has to be the sales guy, has to be the HR guy, has to be the social media person, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like the challenge that you're going to face as well. You know, how am I going to be able to go to market? How am I going to be able to go beyond the noise? And like, that doesn't mean getting a booth at RSA and saying, you know, we have a blockchain based identity you know, two factor authenticate, you know, like eliminating the buzzwords and actually having a, a viable USP that is valuable, but also understanding the business, the market and being able to find a way to be able to have a successful go to market. And I think like mm. that, that's what makes a successful business. And fundamentally, that's what that's what organize, that's what startups should be focusing on. I mean, I, you know, I see really tremendous technology, and you know, sometimes you meet people and you just say, "Well, look, you know, I think you're really smart, but like, how are you going to be able to convince? And how are you going to be able to?" And and of course, there are some ideas that that just simply the technology will carry alone just by the nature of that. Mm, yeah. But like, you know, look at advisory boards. Look at you know. Like, and that's a really great, great idea. Like, you know, some startups can look at advisory boards with, with business leaders to help them kind of address some of their, their, their gaps in order to be able to kind of achieve that. And, and that for me, I think is a really interesting angle. So, yeah, so I think it's, it's the whole package, not just, is the tech really cool? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that's more of a challenge for the kind of the fire starter types, sort of the younger pre-VC ones that we kind of see coming forward. Um, hopefully the ones that have had BC funding are going to be a little bit more mature, have you know more people involved and in picking up those sort of roles. It's not quite so so much of a CEO, you know, tea maker, bottle washer, you know, and everything else kind of uh, side of things. But yes, it, that's true. And I, it certainly is something that other judges have sort of pulled out is that... <sighs> You know, have how, and I guess being involved with the awards and put yourself forward is one part of that, right? It's at least being out there and putting yourself, putting your head above the parapet, and making people aware of what you're doing. So, aside from the going to market stuff, is there anything else that you that's going to kind of get your attention when you you see the the entries coming through? Yeah, I, you know, there is there is um, obviously a couple of things and. You know, if I look at how organizations really engage with their customers and, you know, I've seen some really smart ideas where, 
you've seen, you know, for example, um, some companies where they'll provide, you know, regular health checks or regular engagement touch points. And, you know, because you, you mean, you've heard the term a lot, like trusted advisors and so forth, but, but really, you know, in the world of cybersecurity, like having a vendor that is, that is a partner for you and really being able to articulate that for me is absolutely crucial. And for me, it kind of speaks to the culture of a company as well. Um, how you engage with your customers, you know, do you actually provide them the support that they actually need? Because, you know, like, like we often say, right, cybersecurity is not that difficult. Well, look, it isn't that difficult, but equally it is very hard as well. You know, you're dealing with a plethora of threats, you're dealing with budgetary issues, you're dealing with a, with a changing regulatory landscape. Like I always look at, you know, what are you doing for the customers beyond just simply selling them a product and, you know, like a, like there's some really great companies out there that, that, that actually have, you know, that can actually speak to actually being leaders in their own field, partly because of the founders of who they are or the type of work that they've done in the past. And, you know, so, so for me, it's not just, you know, a list of the the technology, but it is, are you striving to be the de facto advisor of your customers? Are you helping them and so forth? So I, there's a lot more to this. And I think that's important because it's a really, really crowded marketplace. I mean, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier, but how you're able to differentiate beyond just simply typical marketing, which is, you know, catchy lines and so forth, that to me is going to be the crucial part. And, um, you know, and I've actually seen some of the startups recently, um, you know, do like, like cover, like driving research with tier one newspapers. Like I remember one around kind of misinformation that was covered by the guardian. And, you know, like you think to yourself, well, that's outstanding. Like you're literally driving and leading the narrative in the space that you're in. And that, that, so I'm, I'm very, very, very impressed. With that. And of course you'd expect that because it's kind of part of what we do here within my team as well. Oh, no, absolutely. So, so for this year, what other things do you think, you know, what are your tips? How are people can present the kind of stuff to you? What, what would you say would be? your sort of top tips for people outside obviously sharing the kind of information that you've you've shared that that kind of gets your attention i mean i mean i guess for me i would say like don't overthink this like you know try to put yourself in the position of the judge themselves right and you know like like the judge has probably gone through multiple different um uh, submissions you know just just literally like like point out the things that you think are the most important. And I know that just seems like the most ridiculous advice and so glaringly obvious, but like, you know, I'll give you a great case in point. Mm-hmm. You know, the example I will give you is imagine you have 30 seconds with the biggest investor on the planet and you're in a list with them. What are the key salient points that you want them to walk away with? Right? Because the, the chances are they've probably spent an entire morning of pitches. They're going to spend another afternoon of pitches. Like what, what are the, three to five things that you want to get across in that conversation. And that's literally what you have is you have a conversation with a judge and your objective is to get their attention and to showcase the things that set you apart. And don't, you know, don't write chapter and verse and war and peace. Like, like literally like pull out the, the key points that you want to raise and, and show the metrics as to how you're delivering against that and emphasize why that matters and why that's important. And that's it, you know, and like, don't, don't give the judge a fishing expedition and say, well, you know, here's seven pages, 
good luck trying trying you try and work out what the value is like that you know like they just you have those 30 seconds in the in the elevator with this with the investor like what are the things you want them to hear um, well we do talk we do limit the, the the amount of input people can give so hopefully that helps to kind of laser focusing on those key elements so yeah so but that that's great advice and you know I can see that that is going to be the differentiator if people can you know cut to the chase and make your life as easy as possible to understand what people are doing so I'm moving forward in the sort of the wider landscape um I mean obviously we look at things like um CXOs you know we've got the male and female trailblazer of the year are you seeing a lot of very exciting people who are leading the startups that you're engaging with? What's the, what's the mood amongst them at the moment? You know, it's interesting. My uh, my niece um, is is currently at King's and she's involved with like King's running like an incubation uh, hub, I guess you could call it, within King's and. I'm seeing a lot more diversity mm. in some of these startups and uh and you know and I think that's it's important because like one of the things that I do is I you know I well I used to actually before all of this COVID stuff kicked off but mm. well, it's like every month I'll go to a school and speak to young kids about getting a career in cybersecurity and mm. um and it's important because like in in many cases you know when I'll talk to certainly young girls or when I talk to like, you know, kids from um, maybe different socioeconomic backgrounds than, than the rest of us, I guess, this is kind of, oh, okay, I had no idea how I would get into this industry, where do I start and so forth. And I think like for me, what's interesting is, is that like today, cybersecurity is something that many kids would like to do. Now, unfortunately, the question I was asking is, well, how much do you get paid? So. I think the motivation for me is the book. Yeah. But there isn't that there is finally an interest. I think where the challenge is is that like where do you start? And I think like incubation hubs like King's is great, but like the challenge for me is well, how do we go kind of slightly earlier, right? So how do we find the in, the innovators of the future that won't go to King's, for example, that that may not that may not kind of get to some of the better universities, but it, it is definitely changing, but I, I think really for the better. So that, I mean, it's positive, I think. And, and I think that's the thing that I've noticed that's changed. Certainly over the last couple of years is that, you know, I'm seeing a lot more startups, a lot more innovators, a lot more diverse, a lot more diversity. And, and that's great, right? That's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So outside of what you're doing, you know, on a very, very busy, busy side of things, um, are there any facts about Raj that maybe aren't on your LinkedIn that you think would be interesting for people to know about? Oh my gosh, there's so so many of them. And I mean, I'm almost embarrassed about oh no, I think like, you know, there's 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 a ton of things there, right? So, you know, I like I love reading. I I, I don't read fiction, I hate fiction. I use a waste of time. There's only one fiction writer I read, and like he's, you know, it's not someone to post about. But yeah, look, you know, listen, I mean, look, you know, it's, uh, I like to read. I like to fight. I mean, I'm a boxer, so I've been doing that for like 25 years now. Uh, although I can't do that at the moment because uh, I, I don't know. 
for those of you that follow me on Twitter may have noticed I ruptured my Achilles in February. So I've literally spent the last six months like learning how to walk again, which has been really challenging. And um, I'm finally exercising again. Oh, I like being able to walk. And so, um, yeah, like honestly, like it's for me, it's I like I love reading. I love information. I love learning new things. And uh, I'm, I'm constantly reading all of the time. Like I think I've just finished another book this weekend. And I've got like another five or six I'm ready to roll down. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, obviously, like, you know, since I've done my leg and I've not been able to get in the ring again, but that I'm planning to do again probably later this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's definitely not things that I was aware of. We've known each other for quite some time. So well, it's not on LinkedIn and I don't use Facebook. So uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share that you think would be useful to, for people to, to get to know you better or maybe something else that you think is worth sharing with the startups who are putting themselves forward on, you know, why you're involved with this and why you think it's important for people to stand up and, you know, come forward and, and engage with yourself and the other, you know, other panels, judges? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I... I mean, I guess the most important thing that I would say to, 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 you know, to, to young entrepreneurs is, and, and, you know, the startups that are out there is like, just reach out, you know, and, and I, I know it's, I know it sounds really rather obvious, but like, you know, the judges, like, you know, that are, are absolutely outstanding in their field, but, you know, we, we, we're more than happy to, you know, reply to an email and, more than happy to kind of give you some advice, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes, you know, you've got to start to reach out in, and, and you've got to be, you know, not afraid of, of rejection. And, and, and like, you know, I know, of course, you know, we all know the story about Harry Potter and so forth, but like mm-hmm. for me, that's important. And I remember, you know, when I started in my, in this industry, mm-hmm. I'd go to the ISSA London chapter or UK chapter and, mm-hmm. and I'd meet like, like people that I looked up to in the industry, you know, people like Richard Starnes or, you know, like Ed Gibson from the FBI. And, you know, like I, I got to meet amazing people in the industry. And like every time I got back, I'd connect with them on LinkedIn, I'd send them an email and I'd do anything I can to try to like, hey, look, you know, can I can I borrow 10 minutes of your time? Can we have a coffee? Can you know tell me about your job or can you give me some advice here or there? And like for me, that that was really important. Like I didn't, necessarily have a mentor but i had like mm-hmm. people that would guide me along my path and for me that's important which is like look to find people that can help guide you in your path towards achieving your ultimate goals and so forth and for me like that's what i would strongly strongly recommend and like you know and, and like every time i do a talk i'll always you know pick up people that that that, that i engage with afterwards and some of whom that i that i personally mentor and stuff and like for me, that's really important is finding people that can help you grow and learn equally should apply to not only you as you're kind of starting off in the career, but even now today as well. So mm-hmm. I think that to me would be the best thing that I would really want to, I guess, get across and hopefully that, that, that will probably help people. Yeah. I mean, he's very much, I think our judges are very open and I'm not sure if all of the the entrance take advantage of that because uh, it's opening a conversation really isn't it part of this and you never know where it may lead um in your own career are there any mentors that you would like to 
kind of maybe refer to because I get the sense from you that you've mentioned a couple of names <laughs> that have been important to you but I, I suspect that might have been later in your career there may have been some people prior to that well I mean you know for me um so one of the first people that that really mentored me very early was my boss when I was working on a lonely help desk and um I remember I did my masters and uh, and and Andy Ely. I've actually said this, I think, publicly a couple of times when I was working at a pharmaceutical company, and he was like he he was the person that really set me up on my way. And uh, and there's been so many people that you know I'm I'm indebted to. Mm. Uh, I mean, like I said, I never really had somebody that I would say, "Oh, you're my mentor," mm. but I just genuinely generally looked up to. I mean, when I used to work in. Uh, I used to work for a CISO for a big, uh, for a big organization. And, um, you know, one of the people was, was, uh, John Colombo when I was working at, uh, you know, when I was working there and, uh, you know, he taught me really to kind of how to start writing properly because, you know, my writing skills were, were a lot to be desired and kind of like, honestly, there's, there's so many people that I, that I look up to and, um, that have helped guide me. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that's why I like I'm more than open and willing. And that's why I kind of do this today. Oh, I go to speak at schools is because I kind of feel I mean, you need to do the same as well. Um, because like, you know, at some point it's going to be my daughters or it's going to be my son who are going to be looking for mentors themselves. So I think it's important to do that. Brilliant. Well, that's been very insightful now into some other aspects of Raj that I wasn't aware of. And I'm sure for the listeners, it's been fascinating to get um, a much better insight into you as a person, but also as um, you know, an advisor on what you see as being important for our cybersecurity startups when they, they put forward their entrance. So thank you, Raj. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks to the listeners. Um, it's Tetral Blazers Judges on Fire podcast, and I've been joined today by Raj Samani from McAfee. Thank you. <laughs>